0: going on, everyone? Welcome to Kicks and Picks Podcast. Nick and Scotty here. We are kicking off the summer with a very special series of episodes. We are going to cover some of the top clubs in Europe, and we are starting off with AC Milan. We're not going in alphabetical order, but there just seems to be so much going on around this club, and we have a very, very special guest, a longtime follower, supporter of the show, and the man who has probably the longest-running Milan blog that I've ever heard of. So that is AC Milan Michael, Michael Lisi. Mike, thank you for joining us, brother. What's going on?
1: I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to uh, jumping into the unknown with Milan this summer. So it's going to be interesting.
0: This uh, This is Scotty's, like this is his Christmas. He loves the off season. He loves the transfer market. And uh, I think he really loves diving into what's possible and what's in front of us.
2: Yeah. The the transfer season is so much fun because it feels like even though the average person knows better that, you know, you can't win a trophy in in July or August, but, it really dictates like how you feel about or how you feel going into a season. Like, are you, you know, looking for trophies? Are you hoping just to get top four? Are you pessimistic because you've had to sell off one of your key players to Bayern Munich and you're not very hopeful of the players you brought in. Um, And it also tends to give itself some, some other storylines in the, in the, you know, upper echelons of the the different offices too. And I think that's why it's great having you on Michael, because we know there's been a lot of, of drama unfolding in, in Milan lately, especially with how ownership and management have been uh, interacting um, lately. So um, even though there's no matches scheduled, it doesn't mean that there isn't any drama going on uh, in and around these clubs in Europe. So it's always a fun time of year and um, it's always good to kind of try to find a way to to, to sort out the truth from the rumors, so to speak.
0: For sure. And, and Mike, uh, the first thing we want to get into, man, uh, I'd love for you to tell the listeners just a little bit about what it is that you're doing. As I mentioned, um, you know, you, you guys are putting out some phenomenal content that we've been riding along with for quite some time. Um, how did you get into this club? Tell us about you. Tell us about the channel. Um, you know, we know you're really active on Twitter as well. Let the listeners know what's going on and, and how you came to love
1: this club. Um. Well, probably, Uh. you know, in the beginning, um, the I, when I was younger like in high school and all that stuff I was never a big soccer soccer fan but I had a bunch of friends that were and just happened to be that the first summer we were all home from college we all got jobs together and we all went back to one buddy's house and we watched the 94 World Cup it was the summer of 94 and because I'm half Italian my team instantly became Italy and of course, there was all the uh, there was all the drama with uh, Baggio on the team and uh, Brazy getting knee surgery right beforehand. And and of course, with Italians, you know, it's always got to got to be the hard way. Their group, you know, they they, they finished tied with with uh, the other three teams in the group and just squeaked away on like goal difference. And I was just like sucked in from there. And, you know, here's was this Barese guy. And this Maldini guy that I liked watching and they happened to be Milan players. And, you know, at that time it was kind of hard to truly follow it here in the States. Brutal. Yep. Oh, unless you were lucky to have like, you know, uh, what is it? RAI on your cable or whatever, which trust me in Ohio, we did not, (laughs) uh, you know, you, you know, you had ways here and there, you got your random champions league games with, uh, Tommy Smith and JP Della camera doing the the play by play, you know, the color and all that stuff and, you know, all that sort of thing. So that was kind of the only way to truly, you know, follow it for a while. And then, you know, of course, over time, you know, with the internet and then, you know, tons of cable channels and all that kind of stuff, it just got easier and easier and easier to follow the sport. And then, you know, of course, eventually, you know, jumping into, you know, blogs and then chat boards and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just, slowly built and took off from
0: there i love it i I think it's hysterical that you said before the internet but it's true right there there was like a two-hour sunday morning match on like pbs that like simulcasted rye and it was either that or you picked up a copy of og somewhere at like the you know a specialty newspaper stand and and that's how you followed the team so
1: um
0: unfortunately i I remember it well
1: yeah 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 and the unfortunately you know with with my friends at the time, I mean, my one friend had a sabutio board, him and his brothers played in the basement, which I mean, some people probably still don't even know what that is. You know, the soccer with the little figures and all that stuff. They had magazines all the time. I mean, they were heavy, heavy, heavy into it when it was really hard to get into it. So those guys, which you know, a lot of us are still friends of this day. I mean, those, they were kind of my uh, gateway drug into the soccer world. So.
0: Love it. Appreciate that. Uh, that background and that little bio. Yeah. So, um, dude, before we get into what's ahead of Milan, let's take a quick look back at last season. Uh, we'd love to get your thoughts, just a general assessment on how they performed last season across all competitions. As a reminder, they did make the semifinals of the Champions League, finished fourth in Serie A, so two points uh, behind Inter, beneficiaries of, I think, the Juve point deduction. But oh, yeah, heading back to Champions League next year. What do you make of the 2023 season?
1: You know, it was interesting. The first, that first stretch there, we played really well. I think the only blip along the way was uh, a loss at home to Napoli, which I think Leal missed for one reason or another. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um. Anyways, and then we went into the World Cup break, and I thought, and I actually wrote a big, long piece on it, we had one of the teams in the league that had almost nobody going to the World Cup. We only really had, like uh, – uh, Teo and Drew and Mignon was going as the backup to Lloris. So my thought was, oh, well, we don't have all these guys that are going to, you know, get worn out during the World Cup. We'll be fresh for the second half. And turned out I was completely wrong because we stunk coming out of the break. Honestly, the first six weeks after the break was our toughest time of the year. Mignon got hurt uh, to Tarasano who had to take over in goal. I'm sure, you know, and which also happened to coincide with when betting became legal in Ohio, which turned out to be a complete disaster (laughs) for betting on Milan at the time. (laughs) And then, and then that, that, uh, that rough period really led to a, a stretch run where it was like, you know, okay, we can, we can navigate winning top, staying top four, hopefully. But then the focus kind of flipped to the champions league and, you know, we 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 made our way past uh, Spurs, even though Tatar Sano, I think, had to play the first leg. And then, you know, we beat Napoli, which, you know, with, as far as I'm concerned, was, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, uh, just desserts, I guess, after having a very mediocre season to at least be able to knock them out of Champions League was nice. And then we ran out of gas against Inter, but, you know, we kind of got a gift from the from the footballing gods with Juve's point deduction and still finished fourth. So, really, at the end of the day, you know, a, a Champions League semi final appearance and holding on to top four, considering a bit of a roller coaster ride during the season really wasn't that bad. Some people disagree with me. They would say that Fioli should be fired and Maldini rightly should have been fired and everybody should go. But uh, to me, I, I, I got no complaints. It, 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 every season is different, every season stands alone you know you can't compare anything to the year before or the year after so and i i thought you know for the most part they did okay i was i was happy
2: yeah i think there's a few clubs in europe that coming off a season where you you make it to the semis and, and champions league and then you qualify for the next season albeit no trophies to, to speak of would consider yeah. that like a bad season right i mean you can yeah. probably count it on on one hand the clubs where you could fans could legitimately make that claim and although you wouldn't respect them for it you would understand right so i think that's that's totally a fair assessment i will say i think uh i will take credit for milan's uh turn of form at the end of january because going into that derby with inter uh i i took the over um because milan's defense had been terrible all throughout january um and then of course that was a i think they still lost one nothing to inter but after that they they went on a a streak of, of defensive prowess that had not yeah. been seen in, in, in years. Um, oh, so yeah. I will yeah, take they, a little bit of claim for that. They,
1: yeah, they were, uh, we pretty much played, uh, I think 13 guys behind the ball, if that's legal, yeah. and just tried not to concede goals for a while. I think just to remember how to play defense there, we, we had the, I don't even remember the sweat, score, like five, one, the Lazio kicked our asses like four, nothing. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. That that one I remember.
0: (laughs) That was like the, maybe I was wrong about Saudi this whole time. Like that was that match.
1: Oh, okay. okay. You know,
0: like I was, I was second guessing my own stance on him, but uh, that was definitely a fun one for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was one of those where I, it was maybe like an afternoon game and I kind of laid down on the couch and after about five minutes fell asleep unfortunately woke up around like the 90th minute and and uh you know quote unquote missed that game so i wasn't disappointed
0: (laughs) whatever you have to tell yourself mike
1: yeah that's right that's right
0: (laughs) so you're happy with the season and again i'll i'll agree with both of you i think it's it's really tough to try to measure it against the Scudetto winning season the year before. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think many people expected Napoli to be as good as they were this year. Um, you know, deep, deep run into the Champions League. It kind of wears on you. So finishing top four, always going to be a success. Uh, agree with you there. How about on a personal level? What do you make of uh, the players from last year? Is anybody that stood out to you that maybe overperformed? Anybody that was a little bit disappointing? Who who's on your mind uh from the starting 11
1: uh i think as far as like uh improved or really over i mean honestly and it sucks to say it right now i thought tenali was finally just about hitting his peak to the point where like this coming season i expected him to take a little more of uh reins of the offense not just be a defensive midfielder but really be somebody that could do pretty much everything uh, up and down the field. I mean, for me, he was he was the MVP of the team and the MVP of the season. I mean, you know, Leal was spectacular. I mean, he was just as good as last year. Had a little bit of a lull in the middle, but obviously played great. Giroux uh, played great. I think the only thing that was kind of a letdown is I think there was a few guys, uh, like I I thought Tamori kind of took a step sideways, He was, he was fine, but he didn't like, he didn't improve. I don't think he jumped up a level or anything like that. Uh, Kalulu was kind of the same way. I think after last season, especially the the stretch we had towards the end of the year last year with Kalulu and Tamori as the center back partnership when they gave up, I can't remember what it was like three goals in the last 12 games or something crazy down the stretch. I think everybody expected him to really take off. And he kind of had a, you know, a so, so season, like I said, not really a step back, but more of a, more of a step sideways than anything else. Um, I'm a big fan of Salamakers. Everybody gives me mountains of shit about that, but I love the guy. But he was kind of the same, too. We had a bunch of guys that, you know, the year before really stepped up, probably played, you know, above their break, pay grade in winning the Scudetto. And then this year, I think maybe because of that, people thought, oh, wow, they're going to jump up another level. And they kind of went sideways, if you know, if not backwards. You know a little bit, so I guess that kind of covers both ends. Obviously, Manion—I mean, that guy—he's uh, just amazing. He blows me away every time he he steps on the field. But I mean, that kind of covers—you know—as far as guys, I thought that improved or took a step forward, and some other guys that I don't know if disappointing were the word, but you know, you kind of hoped you kind of hoped they would take that next step. And most of those guys are still young, so it's not the end of the world
0: one thing i'll say and you know i'm coming from a, a coach who you know has a 13 man rotation right for for 11 guys on the field uh uh-huh. milan <laughs> you know milan didn't have that same approach i feel like pioli definitely rotated a lot or i know a lot was you know some of it was due to necessity some was due to injury but you know you mentioned some of these guys who maybe didn't necessarily improve the way you expected them to Salamackers was the one that stood out to me. Uh, these guys didn't get consistent playing time, right? They weren't always in their um, preferred position or formations. I feel like we're changing. Is that kind of a fair assessment as, as to why maybe guys didn't take that step forward or am I completely off base?
1: I think that's fair. I think if, you know, if like you said, your coach plays with, you know, an 11 and a half man rotation, <laughs> you know, and, and Pioli wants to play with like a, you know, a 19 man rotation, you know, the happy medium is somewhere in the middle there, right? It's probably 14, 15 guys. I mean, very few teams are going beyond, you know, the, that number 14 or 15 guy. And I think I think, I think, think that was probably the trap Pioli fell into there as we stayed in the Champions League, is he really got carried away on the league games in rotating guys like crazy. And maybe he should have, as we got down the stretch run, maybe, you know, uh, tightened up that number a little bit more. I I think that's fair to say.
0: Cool. So speaking of Pioli, how do you, uh, you you said he did well. Um, How safe would you say his job is? I mean, what is, what are his goals for next year? What does he have to do? Uh, I know the fans are kind of split down the middle, at least from what I see. Um, Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with him. I,
1: I personally, I like him because I think he, he's already shown the ability in his time at Milan to do the, uh, Changes tactics change formations, you know, try some different things. Like you said, mid season, we couldn't play defense at all anymore. He changed everything. I mean, it was, it was ugly, but, but it kind of settled the ship, you know? So from that, from that aspect, I like him. What I don't like is a, a new regime and a new ownership, a new, you know, general manager, technical director, whatever you want to call them. Every club calls it somebody different. Um, keeping the old coach. We did this before when the Chinese took over and we kept Montella as the coach. And it was a total disaster because they brought in a bunch of guys they wanted. Mm. And then Montella later in the window, they let him pick like three or four other guys he wanted. And it turned into a total disaster. We bought like Andre Silva that summer who basically never played for us. Uh, We bought some other guys that hardly ever played and then Montella brought in these guys that were like his favorites, and then before you know it, they canned him, which I guess is a long way of saying I just don't like I don't like the idea of a new ownership and GM keeping the old coach. I think they would be a smart move, and I think more than anything, fair to Pioli to go get their own guy, because I can just see us getting like eight or ten games into the season, and these guys deciding Pioli isn't the right fit. And here we are in like November, looking for a coach.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say I think that that seems to happen a lot in Serie A to an extent, but it also happens at the Premier League, where you have these coaches that you know you go into the season and you feel like they're on decent terms, but all it takes is like you know the first month to have a, a string of four or five bad results, then you know yep. the questions start popping up. And and I was yep. I was curious if if you if you thought Pioli is one of the, a candidate for one of those guys where like, hey, if you if Milan get off to a slow start, you know. Like we said, they they qualified for Champions League, but certainly beneficiaries of, of Juve's points deduction there. Um, yeah, you know, do, do the ownership's ambitions kind of you know align with what Pioli is capable of, or, or does he stand to, to be a guy that that you know finds himself out the door midway through the season because he's not quite um, right. pulling it as quickly as they'd want?
1: That's and that's exactly what I think is is possible now, like. <sighs> you know, not that firing a coach that early is the worst. Like when, when Maldini hired John Paulo there and he lasted eight games, that was like the best move in the world because Maldini and them, I think were smart enough to realize that the guy that they basically hand picked was not the guy, you know, and he had to go now in this case, this isn't the guy they handpicked. So I don't know how much of a leash Pioli's going to have. And, I just I hate the idea of getting to like November and being like, okay, who are we going to find a coach this team?
2: Right. I mean, yeah, you know, the coaches are gone. You know right. <laughs> that we've always said that on this pod, right? When we we've, we've talked about coaches that should be, you know, if they're on the hot seat or if they're gonna fire them, whether it's on Tottenham yeah. or you know, anywhere. And I always say yeah. you, you can't really fire a coach in this day and age unless you have his successor already lined up because that's kind of how you find yourself in these you know, situations where like Chelsea were in where you're you're trying to just find like a caretaker manager and and the results just get worse and worse. And then next thing you know, everybody's feeling bad about the club. And it's harder to even get some of those, you know, bigger name managers through the door, right? Because it it just becomes like this, this dumpster fire that a lot of people try to avoid. Now, granted, at a club like Milan, you're always going to have that level of attraction that, you know, you don't have to worry about, um, you know, anyone turning you down necessarily. But if there's somebody that you really have in mind and they have their choice of clubs, that could be enough to kind of turn their head to a different direction. So. Well, yeah. And 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 like you just said there, Chelsea's the perfect example. They did that with, with Tuchel
1: last year. I can't remember how long exactly he lasted, but you know, you almost knew right away that he was going to be headed out the door and it just ended up being, being a black cloud for them all season.
2: Yeah. I think, I think Tuchel lasted eight matches and then, um, Uh, they bring in Potter and then I think he yeah. made it like 18 to 22 matches, something like that. And then he yes. was out the door and rest is history.
1: Yeah. But yeah, that's, that. that's, that's kind of my opinion on Pioli. but then also, you know, like I said, what, what I see happening, which does, is, does is is, isn't really what my, you know, my opinion isn't to get rid of the guy, but my opinion of the whole situation is find, find your own dude and let's go.
0: No, I, I think, I wasn't expecting you to say that, and I think that's a smart, fresh take. So, um, definitely appreciate that insight there. So let's let's get right into the summer. Um, Scotty's going to shine here. So, games are, are just about over. Right, these uh, national teams are just wrapping up. Uh, transfer market opens next week. I want to say, like officially. I mean like it's a, you could sign people oh yeah I,
1: July 1 yeah, I think right
0: July 1 yeah. is like official yeah, official yeah, yeah. um yes. so let's talk about the squad what what's the biggest area that needs improvement and is there anybody that rumored to be targeted is anybody you'd like to see come on um what's what's the outlook for purchases
1: um well I think I mean I'll just go like back to front so Keeper, obviously, we're fine, although Manyan always seems to get, like, uh, a decent injury every year. But they already picked up Sportello to be his backup. Yeah, good move. Improvement after last year. I mean, that's that's fine. That's great. Uh, the back line is fine. I mean, you got Tamori and Chow are probably going to start next year. And Kair will be, you know, he'll be the old man, the, the wise head. You know, he'll be able to play 15, 20 games. He doesn't have to play 50 games, so he's fine. Uh, Teo's obviously is fine Calabria is what he is He drives me crazy sometimes but Like last year I think everybody really hoped Kalulu would take that spot and I think I think with a new Management group and all that kind of stuff Maybe some of the loyalty to Calabria goes off the window and Kalulu becomes the guy So the back line's fine um, The midfield's a complete disaster Uh, Because Well first of all you sold your best I'll say your best player I love layout don't get me wrong but if I'm if I'm drafting, I'm I'm starting with the center mid, not the left wing. Uh, and Benasere just had knee surgery, and he's out till like the first of the year. So basically, right now you have no midfield. Um, oh, and and Brahim went back to Real Madrid. So so you play a four two three one, and both of your sixes are gone, and so is your attacking mid. Uh <laughs> and the way I see it from uh you know watching uh coaching writing everything in the world you you start your you start an nfl team by by working on your offensive line and you try to keep those guys together for a long time and same thing with the midfield and we're going to be marching into next year probably starting three midfielders on day one that have never played together and don't know each other which is terrifying so yes that's a giant hole uh Left wing's obviously fine. Uh, Drew is going to be fine up top. I'm sure we'll find somebody to help him out. Uh, Right wing, every Milan fan will tell you right wing's been a problem for for a couple years. So, you know, probably in some sort of order, it's the three midfielders easily. I mean, you've got to pick up at least three guys to fill those spots, maybe four. Um, And then maybe a right wing. I don't know. You know, there's Chelsea's having, like, the biggest fire sale in the world. (laughs) So yep. their guys are their guys, you know, are ba- are basically uh clickbait fodder for, for every team around the world at this point. Um but yeah, those those are my three, you know, those those are the big spots to fill. The back line and keeper is fine, which is great. You know, that's we we uh, can work that you want to
0: start there, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Now, like as far as like guys, you know, I don't know, dream guys or guys I would love to go get. I mean, I, I would I would call Fiorentina yesterday and try to get Amrabat, and I don't care what it would cost, because I think that's a guy you can throw in as a six on your team, and he's like plug and play. I don't think it matters who he knows, who he's playing with, or anything like that. That's that that would be one guy I would love to go get. Um, I, I, honestly, as far as the other ones, I mean. I, there's all sorts of guys out there. I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I mean, I really don't have any like dream targets off the top of my head, but I mean, selling selling Tonali does mean there's a lot of money to spend. So it's yeah. gonna be an
2: adventure. That's that's the favorite that's my favorite part about when you you're a club that sells a player like Tonali and all of a sudden you're you know, the appearance is you're flush with cash, right? That whether that is true or not remains to be seen I know obviously a lot of times in Italy these players are sold out of necessity for other reasons not necessarily to you know stock up the transfer funds but um once yeah. that happens it's like all the, all the rumors come out you know you start getting linked to every player and all, with ridiculous prices um, I'm glad that you mentioned Chelsea and their fire sale because I was just looking through and it's like you guys have been linked to pool loftus cheek which seems to cheek. have some some maybe validity to it um yeah should be a decent fit I would say um, he's healthy. I, I think I think he's a good player okay. if, if, he, if healthy but he's also kind of struggled in in you know Chelsea's churn and burn uh, okay. academy we're, we're gonna
1: we're gonna start a drinking game
2: where anytime
1: anybody tweets about loftus cheek and the word if healthy, yeah, you you need to drink.
2: All right, because
1: yeah. that is that is the buzzword with that dude. <laughs> uh,
2: that's fair. Um, and I also just saw recently uh, another guy that is in every transfer rumor. I think every single transfer season is Dama Triori. Um, supposedly he's been been linked in the little Portuguese connection. Um yeah. So you're definitely getting your right wing covered, but I, I I hear what you're saying on the midfield. It seems like that's really the, the area of need with you know at least in the first half of the season. Um, I mean, I'm curious though. You 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 didn't really talk too much about like a nine. You know, Ibra is, is retiring, so he's out. Giroud is 36. I mean, oh, not yeah. exactly uh, in, yeah. in in his peak form anymore. So it, it seems like that's also an opportunity, unless you know we see layout drifting inside more often than not. But um, yeah, yeah it, is it's, is okay.
0: still around? Uh, is he like signed through the year?
2: I, I oh, he
1: signed for like three more years. Yeah. Okay. So like- six million a year or something insane like that. Yeah. That's I I, I almost think that's like the one signing that like Cardinale and his buddy saw that they they just can't get out of their head that no matter what else Maldini did, that that was, and it did, it turned into a complete flop. It was a total disaster. I mean, all the guy had to do was score about eight or 10 goals and everybody went happy. And I think he had
0: one. No, nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. Yeah. He he had two goals. two goals and protecting my guy <laughs> um no Sorry. so I mean I think Scott makes a, a really good point right between him and Giroud uh, um th- like to me that's like a slight step above Roma and like Tammy Abraham and Andrea Bellotti right like it's yeah that's not gonna cut it to try to make top four again to make a deep run to the Champions League I agree I think you guys need a forward and I think you need one badly
2: now yeah. here's my question: what's what's the what's going on with Diaz? Because yeah, he went back to Real Madrid, right? But if Madrid are yes. looking at maybe adding Mbappe, which happens every summer, so it may or may not happen. Yeah. Probably won't happen. But it's not like they're in need of depth in that position right now. Like he, they have it covered. Is there yeah. any chance of him returning to Milan? Is like to, did he enjoy his time there, and then he would be open to a move, or is he trying to stay in Spain and, and kind of get into the, the national team a bit?
1: I no, I. I... I think he's gone for good. I think it seemed like that was even something either he or you know Madrid or somebody decided a few months ago because that was almost announced like a week after the season ended. So it seemed like he was definitely planning on going back, and and that was it. He was not going to get mm-hmm. uh, picked up by Milan. I don't know. You know who knows? Maybe that was an issue that Maldini had with these guys too. But but I don't know. But yeah, he's he's definitely gone. You know, when it comes to the 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 striker position, it kind of leads me to to uh, the interesting thing, I think, of the summer from Milan. You know, the last three years with Maldini, Maldini had a clear plan. It was so easy to figure out, like, what transfer rumors were legit and which ones were BS. I mean, he pretty much kind of stuck to his guns. There were only a couple exceptions. Giroud was one of the exceptions. Uh, Origi was definitely the other one, but... Other than that, for the most part, it was guys like 25 and younger that he could get for, you know, really decent, you know, really cheap price and give, you know, a pretty reasonable salary to, you know, two and a half, three million. You know, you looked at any rumor, you kind of jammed it through that filter and you could figure out real quick what was going on. With this group, we have, there's no history. These guys have not come out and said a single thing with as far as like, you know, what the plan is, what the tactics will be, what, you know, anything is going to be. So we're really like kind of of jumping off into the unknown with what the strategy is for the summer. And that's what's, you know, that's what's going to make it kind of terrifying and, and very interesting at the same time is you really don't know what to believe at this point. You don't know what rumors to believe and you don't know what these guys, you know, MO is when it comes to a transfer market. So it really leaves it totally up in the air.
0: Um, the one other guy I wanted to to bring up that I wasn't sure about. I know he was on loan. Is bakioko heading back to Chelsea? Is he sticking oh, around? No. Have they said anything?
1: Oh, yeah. No, he's 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 gone. He's gone.
0: Okay.
1: I think his contract is finally up with Chelsea. If I'm not I, mistaken. After no, being that was loan, a move
2: gone awry pretty quickly. So oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I, he was
1: I, on loan with us and then he was on loan with us again and then he was somewhere else in between
2: yeah i can't he, he got wrapped up in chelsea's loan army pretty quick i mean he just he never really panned oh, out yeah. for them oh yeah and we
1: were i mean we were on the opposite end of a bunch of their guys i mean they gave us fernando torres when they didn't know what to do with him they gave us uh bakioko they gave us pasalich they gave us uh van hinkel for a year i mean we were on that we've been on that chelsea loan train for about 6 or 7 years now all
0: right the last guy i want to get your thoughts on before we move on to management what about your boy cdk we didn't you didn't mention him uh, um i assume that's because you agree that he is potentially the biggest flop in the history of flops what are your thoughts
1: uh, <laughs> yeah he was a total disaster this year Uh, his, uh, his confidence was absolutely terrible. He looked lost, confused, lack of confidence. I mean, just, just bad in general. He did have a couple opportunities where you're like, you know, if he could just, if he could just score a goal, you know, just one, everything would turn out fine. There were like these games, he would come in the last 10 minutes of games and it was like, like somebody brought in like their 12 year old brother, you know, and they were trying to get him a goal. (laughs) Yeah. Tagged along at practice, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so bad. I mean, even like, you know, the couple token appearances Ibra had, which I mean, he was totally done coming into this year. Even Ibra was like, like trying to get the kid a goal. It was like they were trying anything in the world, and it just, it just wasn't happening. He just doesn't seem to have the speed of thought and 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 like turn of pace to 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 make it i mean yeah. i could be wrong maybe you know maybe listen yes they they spent 30 million on him, but you know they gave him like a five-year deal where he makes like two million a year so it's not like they spent 100 million on this dude and gave him 10 million dollars a year right. you know i know 40 million isn't peanuts in syria but it also shouldn't be enough to like to like break the club but but yeah i don't know dude i'm not i'm not seeing it like it's every Every bit of his body language and every bit of everything I feel when I watch him doesn't see it happening. So I uh, no, I know. that's
0: and that that's kind of where I land on him on watching him, right? And and I think you mentioned it, um, right? Listen, you got to give the kid probably more than a year, year and a half to try and yeah. adapt. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but that being said, everything you talked about while watching him, I think, like, I, I can't remember one moment where I said, oh, okay, no, he, he's going to figure it out. He doesn't look like he's close to no. doing that. And he just was with the Belgium under-21 team in the Euros that's going on right now. He had yeah. no goals, no assists in, in three games. He missed, no. like, a wide-open goal. I don't know if you saw yeah, the highlight. I saw it was going around Twitter. Um, that I mean, you can't blame that on Milan. So, like, this dude no. just doesn't look like he has it.
1: Well, you know, and here's the thing, you know, I think coming into this year, the idea was okay, we have Brahim one more year on loan from Madrid, and I think the hope was that by the end of the World Cup break, you know, uh, de would, would would take that spot. And then it didn't happen. And then I think at some point Diaz decided he was out the door. So all of a sudden you went from, you know, hopefully having two guys for that spot to, you know, like I said, having nobody for that spot, and now you're your whole midfield is just a giant black hole.
0: You, you briefly touched on it, but let's really get into it. A little behind the scenes at the club. Um, you know, I, I made notes to talk about ownership, the managers, right? The the sporting director um, Maldini left. I, I mean, yeah. quit, fired both. Um, talk about that a little bit because the Milan Twitter seems to be a little upset.
1: Yeah, you know it's it, it, it's it's funny all all year you had the the whole Maldini out contingent, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he finally got fired, and all those dudes were real quiet real fast. They're so like, "Uh oh," you know, maybe we wanted him out, but maybe not like this. Uh, my my guess is they sat down with him and they 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 had their plan, and Maldini was just absolutely not on the same page, and maybe they gave him the opportunity to 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 quit you know, or resign or whatever. And, you know, he probably wasn't going to give them the satisfaction. So he made him fire him. I mean, that's, that's what I'm guessing happened with that. And then, you know, like I was saying earlier, now it's really, it's a step into the unknown. There still hasn't been like a, they announced the hiring of Moncada, but there was no like press conference. There was no opportunity for him to explain what his plan is. Like I said, there's no plan. There's no, uh, you know, there there's there's no nothing. They they have laid out absolutely uh no direction for the club this summer. You know, for yeah. the last three years, we knew that it was pioli it was Maldini, uh, it was a four, two, three, one. And, you know, we knew that we were gonna try to buy dudes like 25 and younger on the cheap. And now we're, you know, again, we're kind of stepping to the unknown side. I don't know what to expect. Right now, all I can say is like the 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 silence, the silence from their end is deafening right now. And that's what's that to me is is kind of what's worrisome.
0: And I'm sorry, remind me, where did Moncada come from?
1: He 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 was one of our scouts. I think he did scouting for for different teams, but I think he was one of the guy. I don't know that he was necessarily uh, employed by just Milan, and I could be totally wrong about that. Okay, but I think he was just a scout that a lot of people had a lot of trust in. Gotcha. You know, a lot of people took his opinion. You so know, this opinion is
0: going to be his first real chance.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And now oh, it's okay. like, okay, dude, like you could spend all summer saying, oh, yeah, I told you to buy this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. Well, guess what? Now, pardon my French, your ass is on the line to make Yeah, this buy him. <laughs> you know, everybody looks like an expert, you know, when it comes to transfer rumors, you know, you can all sit back and say, oh, yeah, I told you so. I told you so. Right. Well, guess what, buddy? Now, now your ass is on the line. And, and you've got to build something and yeah, maybe something's happening behind the scenes and we don't know, or maybe nothing's happening. So a lot of folks, I, I think as, as every day goes on and we, we don't hear anything and we don't see, I mean, there isn't even like a face of the team right now. You know, we always had that before it was Galliani, It was Maldini. Even for those ugly years, it was, Oh God, what were those two idiots? They did the triple handshake thing. FASA, Mirabelli and Fasoni. Yeah. 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 Uh Yeah. yeah, Those two goofballs. (laughs) They did the signings with the triple handshake thing and all that stuff. But at least we always had a face of the team. Now it's like, you know, there's not even a captain of the ship. So it's just hard to say what's going on. I mean, Hey, 48 hours from now, they could sign three great signings and I'll be the happiest dude in the right in the world. But, but right now it's, it's a little scary. All
0: right. Fair enough. So talked about the team. We talked about Maldini. We don't know what Jerry's plan is. There's a lot of unknowns going on right now. For sure, um, I'm going to ask you the impossible. Then, what what is realistic expectation for the club for next year? What what do you think their goals are? What's a acceptable finishing position? Can they take home a trophy? What do you think is in front of us, knowing what we don't know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> great question. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think the expectation for For Milan and, you know, uh, you know, uh, Lazio, Roma, Juve, Inter, Napoli every year, you know, top four is that bare minimum expectation. Um, For better or worse, we don't take Copa Italia seriously. So that's kind of never been on my agenda. I think one year recently we made it to a final or something. Uh, I don't
2: know. like you guys need to get an energy drink sponsor to get on that shit. The, apparently don't
1: seriously <laughs> yeah I, well inter all it's doggy is just like the it's all become all of a sudden become the lord master of that competition yeah I mean, it's amazing um uh anyways but yeah I, top four is the bare minimum expectation you know what i mean Go. that's that's it i mean whether you uh you, you know you start like crap and finish strong or vice versa you know that's that's the bare minimum and then yeah whatever happens the rest of the summer i think uh you know uh, obviously affects what other expectations there are i mean you know if you get some exciting dudes then you know we at least go into the year positive and 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 we see what happens so, right.
0: that, that's fair we're, we're asking you this question on june 27th so what we will do yeah. bef- like the before the season starts we will yeah. quote tweet you with this and say hey have your expectations change we'll you know we're not going to hold you to uh the very first episode you know before july even hits but fair enough i think top four is a a pretty good goal yeah
1: yeah yeah. uh, sorry to to be honest too i mean even during our most even during the 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 banter the you know the era which was just a total disaster i mean i was always at least hopeful every summer it wasn't realistic but i was at least hopeful this year i think you know even with what's going on and the chaos that is happening at this moment i think top four is still a very reasonable expectation it's not like we're going into the season you know with some of the guys that uh, i don't even want to start mentioning names because it'll just make me want to cry um back then top four was a hope but not an expectation i think top four is still a reasonable expectation for us
2: yeah that's what i can say i think you know i remember one two summers ago you know milan returning to champions league in the same group as liverpool there was a lot of hope there but there really wasn't a whole lot of expectation you know the, the team was relatively young inexperienced in terms of European competition or, or yeah. Champions League competition so they're you know happy to get decent results but again not exactly trying to get to you know the the knockout stages right away if that they did that's great otherwise you know no harm no foul just happy to be back and then last season it, it almost feels like you guys skipped a step and you got to the semis you know for for better or for worse um you know would have preferred to, to not lose to Inter in the semis, but um, still a semifinal in Champions League is a good season, you get top four, albeit with you know a little help from you know Juve. Uh, but then like the last few weeks to a month feels like a, a lot of that has been thrown off track, right? You know, you had all this progress, like it's expedited, and then you know, chaos is thrown in the middle, so it's hard to say like what do you expect because I think if you guys had a repeat season of of last season next year. I think that would be totally acceptable. I mean, even without the chaos that's going on, I don't think there'd be any, anyone too upset about it. You know, it sh- at least shows consistency that, Hey, you can get to, you know, the semis on a regular basis. It's not just a fluke year that, you know, like Roma did that, that one season where they made it further than um, they have in, in a long time. So um, but now with so many question marks in, in terms of who's on the squad, who's getting sold and who's, who's going to be coming in um, you know, that, again, that's kind of why I like the summer season because it, it really is like a blank slate a lot of times with these teams, and you can come into it with uh, a team that's in you know great form and all the momentum in the world, and just some weird, uh, you know, bookkeeping and 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 other you know non sporting reasons can throw that progress out the window, um, or the other way around, right? Like you could be in a, a, a terrible situation, but all of a sudden you have an owner that becomes super motivated for one reason or the other decides to throw his checkbook around. Uh, And next thing you know, you've got, you know, four, you know, shiny new toys coming into the squad that gives you all the excitement in the world. And um, you go from having this really down in the dumps feeling about your squad to, you know, feeling it's like it's Christmas morning Um, and you just can't wait for the season to start. So um, I can totally understand where it's, it's just like, there is a big question mark, but I think realistically with Milan, usually they'll be fine. Um, You know, I, I don't see them dropping off and We talk about it all the time. The Serie A, it's like everybody's just going to be dropping points. You know, you're you're not exactly trying to keep up with these, you know, Galacticos type squads typically.
1: Well, yeah, I I mean, I think it's fair too to be confident. I mean, you got your keeper and your whole back line back, and that's group that now has been together for a couple years, so they really know how each other plays, stuff like that. I think another, you know, positive too is, I mean, you think about the Champions League run and you know, selling Tenali. I mean, if you want to sit there and do all the math, I mean, there's there's about $150 million at their disposal yeah. well, now If they spend any of it, you know, who knows? But if you want to, you know, really get positive and excited. And the other thing too is, hey, you got your back line and your keeper and you still have Leao and Giroux on the team. Worst comes to worst, the first month of the season, you just you just pack the box and dump yeah. it out deep to Leao and you're still going to win some games. So, yeah, it's it's – It's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, I think that's a hell of a point. I mean, I'm thinking of Milan. I'm thinking of Lazio, right? Lazio had, I think, the second or third best defensive record this past year. And, you know, you're coming from a team that's been bleeding goals for the past 10 years. Right. But if anybody had scored outside of Napoli, I feel like Napoli was the only team that was just consistently putting in goals. If any one of these other teams could have figured that out, if anybody else had a 15 to 20 goal scorer uh, who knows what the season would have looked like. So I I think there's definitely a lot of optimism for, for any of those tier one teams, I I guess I'll call them.
1: Oh yeah, no, I agree. I think anybody one through seven has has a chance to start off red hot and, and run away from people.
0: So give us, you mentioned top four, A realistic goal. Give us your one crazy not even july yet prediction for next year
1: well uh well you're gonna hate my guts never i i i i like sorry i love the fact that last year so that first year they scored goals like crazy and they gave up a ton i think they like scored 66 and gave up like 64 it was it was amazing like every game was three to three anyways so last year they bought him a defense and I think you guys scored maybe a few less goals than the year before. Yep. But, but gave up, like, like, nothing. And and you signed, you know, our boy Romagnoli, who, trust me, nobody, not one person at Milan shed a tear that he left. Not right. one. Not even me. And God bless him. He's the face of the banter era. He stuck it through the whole way. Anyways, that – I I I I see him. I, I see them uh, pulling pulling a uh, crashing out of Europe, as as he is wont to do, and and really making a run in the second half of the year. And I think, I think they're going to stay right in that top three hunt the whole year. Um, I think anybody anybody that doubts Allegri is completely insane, with what I- that man did this year with that completely garbage team he had I agree was amazing amazing he should have been i mean honestly if you don't take, take away the point deduction they finished second right third third okay but but on a ton of points i mean not like a distant you know like right there yeah. within t- anyways yeah. the man pulled off practically a miracle i mean gaza was not 100% at any time of the year. I mean, coming off the knee injury, Vlaovic, basically, I don't know what's wrong with him. He just is a disaster. I mean, you're starting guys like Quadrado and DeCio C- De still, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That man's a miracle worker. That's why, you know, honestly, be, so before I scrolled down to your email and saw the odds, Juve would have been the one team I'd have been like, ooh, that's the team I'll take a flyer on for next year. But obviously, there's still only like, what, plus 300?
0: Yeah, listen, hey, you stole my thunder. I was going to get into it. Let's. Uh, this is I'm a sorry. betting show. Let Let's yeah, go yeah, right no, into
1: no, it, I then, sorry. Mike. I that's the direction you were going. But yeah, th- <laughs> those are my those are my two those are my two teams. I'm not betting on Napoli. Uh, I'm not betting on Inter because I think Inter really has like the 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 Europe bug at this point. I think they're really gung ho, and I think they think they can do it. So I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go for them. To me, I Yuvia and Lazio. Are the two teams i'm thinking about going going to win the whole thing
2: before we move on i will say i want to give my one on a limb prediction from milan this year I don't, oh, know okay. this is a, I don't know if this is a big limb but i'm going to go ahead and say i think lay out 15 goals this year i think he's a 20 goal scorer this this season in, in Serie. A. i think he had something like 70 shots he's averaging two and a half shots per game um yeah. last season i think his finishing at times was a little loose um and he could have easily gotten across that mark this season. Um, so I think with uh, probably a little bit more emphasis on him being probably the the lead guy now with, as we talked about, Giroud getting up there um, and a being rather disappointing, albeit we yeah. still don't know, maybe they bring in somebody else. That's a, an incredible goal scorer. And that might even help lay to be honest with you. Um, but I think he can be a 20 goal scorer next season.
1: Oh, I I agree. I, I, speaking of layout, I think. Of all the guys that the world cup break messed with it was probably him the most he had a decent start and then he went to the world cup and that idiot coach they have at portugal played him about 15 minutes a game even though i think he scored once or twice and he was not the same until like mid-february the world cup break was just terrible for him and then he went on a run at the end and scored you know eight or ten goals down the stretch but yeah i agree with you 100 that probably should have been this season but it'll definitely be next season
0: and if he does milan is a great pick at plus 500 to win the league
1: hey there so, you go so there let's go, go.
0: <laughs> let's quickly just run through the odds mike i want your take on it um so right now the futures uh again it is june 27th inter are the favorites they are plus 200 napoli plus 250 to repeat UV at plus 333 Milan coming in at plus 500, Roma plus 1,000, Lazio plus 1,200, Atalanta plus 2,800, and then a very steep drop-off of Fiorentina at plus 8,000. So, Mike, you kind of tipped your hand. Um, you said Juve is is probably your pick, plus 333. Lazio value play at plus 1,200. I would love to yeah. see it. Scotty, what are your thoughts on these numbers
2: here? I don't love any of them. Um, if I'm yeah. going to my low. head. Nick if you if you love this game gun to my head I'm probably taking Juve at plus 333 just because yeah they always seem to be there they're the ones that are most consistent you know I could see Napoli dropping off a cliff this year right Inter they did look good at times last season but uh, I don't know I don't know if I'd I'd want to take them at plus 200 so um not getting too much more juice at plus 333 with Juve I, it just feels like the best pick out of the bunch
1: Yeah I I like I said before I have scrolled down I really thought the Juve would be 400 or 450 I was I was shocked to see them only at 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 300 or you know whatever 330 or whatever I I I was shocked I I thought for sure Napoli and Inter and rightly so would be the the clear cut favorites and then I thought there would be a next tier with like Juve and Milan and no they clearly have Juve closer to that top two than 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 the fourth spot so. Yeah,
0: it's uh, they. They seem to be one of those teams that's always a little overvalued. Um, and, and yeah. I think there's probably as much, if not more, turmoil around that team this year than than any you know of the rest. And uh, you know, maybe them not being in Champions League gives them a little bit of a leg up. But I, I mean, I think for me, gun to my head today. Inter or Napoli being the two favorites here. I think that makes sense, uh, right? I think they're yeah. the strongest, most consistent, most complete sides right now. We're not taking a future at either of them at those numbers. You can get those numbers for them at any game on any single bet during the course of the season, right? Yeah. Um, I do like Milan at plus 500. I think they have a realistic chance at winning the league. And, and I'll kind of agree with you where I think Lazio is the next best value. Um, they're yeah. a better team than Roma. You know they they finished in second this year. They had a phenomenal year. It, it all depends on what kind of reinforcements come in. Um, But that's where I would go today. I think those are the two. Uh, I'd be really interested to see how this, how these futures look in a month or in two months,
2: right yeah. before they're going to start. They're going to That
1: was the question. Yeah, that was the question I had for you guys because I only. I mean, betting only became legal in here in January, so my. My experience with international soccer, which is going on right now, and the off-season is, is basically zero. Do these will these odds go up? Will they fluctuate quite a bit in the summer? Or Do they tend to not really move around till the season starts?
2: Yeah, they'll shift. I mean, somebody will make a, a, a splash signing, right? Like if Lahovic came in, you know, those odds would shift. to A player of his caliber, they would shift pretty significantly. And likewise, if somebody gets sold, right, then it, it also goes. Oh. so Like if Napoli um,
1: sold Otaman, that number right, probably right. goes 100%. way
2: out. Okay. Or Kavara, right. like, tears a, an ACL during international play, right? Oh. Like, those things will shift pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it's, you know it's always riskier now. And like, I wouldn't touch any of these because neither yeah. of them are great value, right? right? Like right. the only time you're taking one of these, is if you really like Roma for some reason or, or Lazio, oh. but um, otherwise like you can wait. Um, you don't want to be the guy taking Milan. And then all of a sudden they decide they're not spending a dime of that oh. 150 million listen, that you mentioned listen. earlier. <laughs> uh,
1: I'll, I'll tell you a quick, I may have told Nick this story, but the first bet I placed the very first bet I ever be, placed on bet three, six, five, It was like a day before Juve played Napoli. And at that point, Juve was only like a couple points back. And if they won that game, they would be only a couple, maybe one or two points off of first going into the second half of the season. And the odds on Juve winning the league were just insane at that time. I can't remember what the number was. Sir,
0: I believe they were plus 800 because we talked about it on the podcast. And I
1: took that bet as well. That was the first bet I've ever placed for real money in my life, and the next day they lost what four nothing or five one, and then the day after that the points reduction was yep. announced. Yep,
2: yeah, that's so, Nick's fault. Nick also placed that bet at the same that, time. Posted.
1: That that, will, that yeah that will be my uh worst first bet of all time story <laughs> all
0: right every guest we have from here on out we're gonna see if they can top it do you have a yeah, worst I, I first bet? Say, i
1: think all your guests you need to have the most
0: we're gonna know, add that um, segment in
1: absurd you get, you'll need a name for it but yeah like a crash and burn bet or something that just went horribly wrong almost immediately <laughs> love it which oh, by the way i think because of you guys i'm still holding on to my Austin FC wins MLS bet. So you know man, it look looking like we were pretty
0: wrong about that one because they're <laughs> struggling a little bit.
1: I think I only put two bucks on it. So it's all okay. right. Well, no, it's pretty,
0: I mean, still a good <laughs> chance to to win a ton. Yeah. They were like plus twelve hundred or something like that.
1: So anyways, yeah, sorry, I I I just had to share that story with oh,
0: you guys. We love it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. And, and thank you. Like we said, you've been a, a longtime supporter. Uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story and your expertise at this club. For one last time, tell the listeners uh where they can find you and find all your work and what you guys are up to this summer.
1: Uh you can find me at AC Milan Michael on Twitter. Um, our our Twitter handle for our uh blog is at FDL underscore 1899. Uh, it's our, the second iteration of our blog, but we've been running nonstop since the original guy founded it in uh, in 2007, which is hard to believe at this point. But uh, yeah, we usually post at least two or three things a week. Uh, we always do game recaps. We do some statistical and tactical stuff. Um, and then every Friday, I always do a, uh, a I call it my weekend rip, whip around. It's kind of a preview of the weekend's games with you know some uh some picks and and some ideas for some different bets nothing too crazy or serious but you know i i think you can pick out some fun little nuggets from it and we've got a great bunch of commenters commenters and we we just have a fun time
0: hell yeah check it out if you haven't already so that'll wrap up this episode thank you again michael and we will talk to you soon
1: thanks guys appreciate it